0: Well, it's Wednesday, June the 21st, and this is your Midweek Connection. You know, I'm sensing a need to address some of the uh, religious and cultural issues that have been going on, things, things that are being reported in recent weeks and months. And so I'm going to begin that process in this week's spiritual focus. Uh, but before I get to that, I have a couple of announcements that I want to share with you. The first one has to do with our annual splash party It's going to be held on Sunday, July the 2nd from 6.30 to 8.30 p.m. and will be at the Clive Aquatic Center. Now this event is absolutely free to you and your family and any and all friends that you may choose to invite. So mark it on your calendar and reach out to friends and neighbors because they are more than welcome to enjoy the fun at the Aquatic Center with us. Number two, Engage Week is coming up June the 25th through July the 1st. And this is uh, not a, a week of events, as you might think, but it is a week where you're being equipped and encouraged to engage the lost by praying, caring, and sharing with them in whatever way that the Spirit of God leads you. Now, there's going to be a table in the Mission Cafe this Sunday, and there you can find an engagement an excuse me, an engage booklet, uh, some extra resources, and also a sign up sheet to let us know how we can be praying for you as you engage the lost in your context. Uh, Pastors Brett and Adam will be uh, on on hand to answer any questions that you may have. And the last um, announcement that I have, or piece of information I want to share with you, concerns worship center seating. Okay? Now, in a recent survey concerning the potential of going to two services, you made your preference very clear that you would like TMC leadership to do everything we possibly can to keep the church together in one service for as long as possible. And we heard you, and we are working to make that happen. Now, the first thing is this, monitors. Monitors for the extreme side seating. The monitors have arrived, and Dale tells me they may be operational for this Sunday. But if not, then they should be uh, operational the following Sunday, Lord willing. Now concerning the seating, uh, you're going to notice some changes this Sunday when you enter the worship center. First, the space between the seats from front to back is going to be a little closer, 17 inches to be exact. And as a test run, the worship center was set up like this for the Stern's wedding last Saturday, and it worked beautifully. So I have confidence that it will be good for us. Now, setting the rows up with this kind of spacing allows room in the back for additional rows and, of course, then additional seats. So an extra row is going to be clear across the back uh, and probably one or two uh, will, extra rows will be on the extreme sides toward the back. Now as we think about adding extra chairs, I want you to keep this in mind, that uh, we are limited to 579 persons in the room at any time. So this coming Sunday, we're going to have seating for 550 people, alright? and. By doing that, it will allow us to grow about a hundred more people in the worship center before we hit that 80% mark, which is where things begin to kind of feel fairly crowded. Now, we only have 500 of the gray padded chairs. And uh, we can order more, and they're available, but we've not ordered them yet because to order, let's say, 100 chairs, which would get us all the way up to 579 and a few extra for other places in the building, would cost us about $7,000. So before we order those chairs and expend that kind of money, I want to do a little test, a little test run for the next couple of weeks, or maybe it may even be for a month or more, uh, with some seating that we already have. So when you enter the uh, worship center on Sunday, you're going to see black plastic chairs that we use them in other parts of the building and they're the seating that will be added to the back and by doing this it will allow us to run a test with 550 seats now let me assure you okay let me assure you that black plastic seating will only be temporary they may be there for a few weeks they may be a little bit longer certainly until we make a decision but then also until the additional gray padded chairs Arrive, But when they arrive, we'll move the black plastic ones out and we'll have the nice uh, uh, padded ones uh, available. So for those of you who sat on the back row, if you don't mind sitting on a black plastic chair, no problem. But if you don't want that, then I encourage you to get here a little early so that you can move a row up, at least a row up, and, uh, and snag one of the uh, gray padded chairs uh, that you're so accustomed uh, to to setting in. All right. They'll be there. You'll just have to move up a little bit uh, to use one if that's what you want to do. Now, while I'm talking about seating, I want to address another issue. Again, as you know, the church is growing. And that means as we move towards September and the launching of our new ministry year and the opening of the series on Revelation, I'm anticipating that we're going to get more crowded in our Sunday morning gathering. And that means that I'm going to need your help so that everyone can find a seat easily. So here are the things I'm going to be asking of you. Number one, move to the middle. Just move to the middle. Make it easy for our ushers to help folks find seating. And if you're not in the middle, And an usher comes by with some folks and asks you to move a few chairs down so that a couple or a family can sit together. Please do so with enthusiasm and a smile. All right? You say, Well, Pastor Mike, you know, they could we were here first, they can just crawl over us and sit in the middle. Well, that might be okay if they're 30. But what if they're 70? It might not be as easy for them to crawl over. And so we all need to remember it's not about us, it's about each other. And we want to be hospitable and gracious, and that's one of the ways we can do it. Now number three, I'm going to ask, and especially as we move toward the fall and the winter, that you please place your purses and Bibles and, and other paraphernalia under your seat. Because when the when the ushers come by and they see these kind of things sitting in the seat beside you, they just assumed, oh. That must be saved for someone. By placing those items under the seat, it becomes a clear signal that the seat isn't saved. And of course, if it is, then you can communicate that when asked. Number four, if someone is in the worship center, let's say you're in the worship center 30 minutes before the service starts and you're seated, And let's say you have two, three, or four people coming and you're saving some seats there. That's perfectly okay. That's fine. We all do that and that's normal. But I'm going to ask that we not mark out seats an hour or two hours before the beginning of the service. In other words, don't come in before your ABF and put a bunch of stuff down. That really doesn't work well. We need to remember that no seat belongs to any person. And we we want to make our seating, we want to make seating easy and accessible for all worshipers. And we want to make it as pleasant as possible. So, I look forward to how our seating test will go. And I appreciate your cooperation in the things that I've asked for here. Okay, well let's now turn our attention to this week's Spiritual Focus. The Southern Baptist Convention held its annual denominational meeting this year in New Orleans, Louisiana. And as you might guess, they discussed many issues important to their denomination. Now, one of the issues that they discussed and also passed a resolution on concerns their position on the issue of female pastors. And this is a topic that I want to address today as well. So, What did the Southern Baptists decide on the issue of women serving in their churches in the position of pastor? Well, now let's talk a little bit about how Southern Baptists govern their churches. They govern their churches through a statement of faith that is called the Baptist Faith and Message. Any church that is wanting to affiliate with them uh, must agree with and remain in compliance with the Baptist Faith and Message. Concerning the issue of who can hold the position of pastor in an SBC church, the Baptist Faith and Message says that only qualified men can serve as pastors. Now, in recent years, several SBC churches have ordained women to serve as pastors in their church, including the famous Saddleback Church, formerly pastored by Rick Warren. In this year's meeting, the messengers dealt with the issue and overwhelmingly voted to uphold the position regarding male only pastors and further moved to to remove from their denomination those churches who do not comply with that stand. Now, this was found to be, and I'm sure this won't surprise you, outrageous by the media, who reported on it and it no doubt was thought to be outrageous by those churches being expelled from the SBC as well. And also, I'm sure it was found outrageous by the growing number of progressing, progressive churches across America. But that leads us then to a most important question as it relates to us. Where does the mission church stand on this issue? Well, as you know, TMC is an independent, non-denominational church. So, we're not part of the SBC, nor are we impacted by the resolutions that they pass. But I must say that I applaud the decision they made, and I also uh, would say to you that this is the position that TMC holds as well. So, Why does TMC not support the ordination of women as pastors? Is it because we think women are somehow less capable or less effective in ministry or less in any number of other ways that we could mention? Not at all. Not at all. Men and women stand equal before God, as do... Father, Son, and Holy Spirit stand equal among themselves as the one true eternal God. But now listen carefully. Just as the Godhead is equal in being God, they each fulfill a specific role and hold a specific position of authority. And in their creation of humanity... We find in the scripture that they made male and female equal as human beings, but bestowed upon them differing roles to fulfill. Now, specific to the church, scripture, which is our authority on all matters of faith and practice, communicates that the office of pastor in the local church is to be filled only by qualified men. The qualifications for one who would serve as an elder and thus a pastor in the church is found in 1 Timothy chapter 3 as well as Titus chapter 1. I want to read these two to you and I want you to take note of all of the male pronouns and the absence of any female pronouns. 1 Timothy chapter 3 beginning with verse 1. The saying is trustworthy. If anyone aspires to the office of overseer, meaning elder or pastor, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach. The husband of one wife, more literally translated a one woman man, sober minded, self controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but uh, gentle, not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He, that is the person who would be in this office, must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children submissive. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with uh, conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace into a snare of the devil. Now, as I asked you to do, did you notice that every pronoun was male? Did you notice that there was no hint of female participation in this specific office of the church. Let's now look at Titus chapter 1, verses 5 through 9. Verse 5 says, This is why I left you, Paul is speaking to Titus in Crete, so that you might put what remained into order and appoint elders in every town as I directed you. If anyone is above reproach, the husband of one wife, again, one woman, man, and his children are believers and not open to the charge of debauchery or insubordination. For an overseer, an elder, or a pastor, as God's steward, must be above reproach. He must not be arrogant or quick-tempered or a drunkard or violent or greedy for gain, but hospitable, a lover of good, self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. He must hold firm the trustworthy word as taught so that he may be able to give instruction in sound doctrine and also to rebuke those who contradict it. We find that Paul's instruction to Titus is the same as it was to Timothy. Now, I realize that this instruction runs counter to everything our culture stands for today. I realize That this instruction may sound bigoted or prejudicial or misogynistic or uh, sexist. And quite frankly, if anyone feels that way, that it is all these things, then there's really probably, probably not much I can do to change their perspective. And mark this down. God has given each person the right to have their own perspective. So I don't want to take that away from somebody. But at the end of the day... It is not mine or yours or the culture's perspective that matters when it comes to matters of faith and practice in the local church. The only thing that matters is what God's Word says on the matter. And we find that God's Word clearly reserves the position of elder, pastor to qualified men. Today we are seeing churches fold more and more to the increasing liberalization of the culture, and churches like TMC are quickly becoming the minority. But quite frankly, that doesn't really concern me because we're not striving to please people, but we're striving to please God. And where He draws His lines, we draw ours. And the reason we draw them there has nothing to do with anything except His authority, and that's really the bottom line. If God allowed the ordination of women into the, into the elder pastorship of the church, well, I know many women who I would turn to because they have excellent spiritual maturity and excellent spiritual gifts. And I know without a doubt they'd do an amazing job of leading uh, in uh, these church offices. But since God has not allowed that, I dare not fold to the prevailing winds of culture but must maintain my alignment with him. So, in this particular matter, not in every matter, but in this one, I applaud the SBC for their bold and biblical stance. Well, that's what I have to say today about our culture and uh, our uh, the, the, the era in which we live. I want to take just a moment to pray, pray for TMC, pray for the SBC, pray for the effectiveness of the gospel to go out through these churches. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the opportunity to address your people and I hope and pray that the tone of this talk and the content is accurate and biblical and I know that it is that at least and I hope that it is not unnecessarily offensive. I pray that people would be able to Uh, understand whether they agree or don't agree that scripture does teach this and if we're going to be biblical then we must follow your word because your word is truth and your word is right. I pray for TMC that we would hold the line where you hold the line. I pray for the SBC in that same way and I pray that in the days to come you would use us to glorify yourself and to benefit many people with the gospel of Jesus Christ and the making of disciples Who follow and reflect the the image and the character of the Lord Jesus Christ. I lift this prayer to you now in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, this Sunday we're going to continue in Daniel chapter 2, and we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 49. We're going to break down Nebuchadnezzar's dream. We're going to see what the dream actually was and the interpretation of the dream that God gave to Daniel. And we're going to also see the amazing response that this pagan king made to the true God in heaven. Well, I look forward to our time when we gather on Sunday. God bless and have a really great week.